0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, June 25th, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You're going to find us in Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, on page 33, the second paragraph, beginning with, Young People May Be Encouraged. And today's readers are Katie G., Sally, and Paula. The share ID for yesterday's meeting, that's Monday, June 24th, 4675. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively,
3: Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. ten. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admit admitted it. Number eleven, sought through prayer and and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening As the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Thank you. I will now call on Ann S. to read the Twelve Traditions.
2: Uh, Hi, good morning. This is Ann, compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania, the Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Nine, LA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to maintain anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions. reminding us to place principles before...
1: Thank you.
0: How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the book, Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Entitled More About Alcoholism on page 33, with the second paragraph beginning Young People May Be Encouraged. And I will ask Katie G to begin reading, please.
1: Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G from Boston, Massachusetts, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop as he did on their own willpower. We doubt it, if many of them can do it, because none of them will really want to stop. And hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find he can win out. Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, had been drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. And uh, grateful to be on the line this morning. Grateful to hear this. What a powerful paragraph. So, um, what are we talking about? Well, when I got to this part of the book um, with my sponsor, it was really about um, smashing home to me that I am a food addict to my core, and, and what it means to be um, a, a, a compulsive overeater. You know what it means to be truly powerless over food and you know, we start off talking about this man's experience, so what do we say about this man's experience yesterday? Well, he had, he made a decision that he was going to stop drinking um, based on his own willpower, you know, and willpower is just about self-control, and how many times was I looking for the next diet, the next solution that, you know, pulling myself up by my bootstraps, I wasn't going to invite God in, why did I need God? Um, you know, and I, I don't I I think for a long time I didn't really want to stop. I wanted to eat exactly what I wanted to eat. I wanted oblivion. Why? Because living in my head, the lies and fears in my head were so brutal that eating was a step up. Like the first time I remember eating, like it was because all of those lies in my head were awful. And I couldn't bear dealing with my head anymore. And when I ate, I got oblivion, that sense of ease and comfort. Um, and so I, I didn't really want, I was not necessarily ready to stop. And I love this because of the peculiar mental twist. So peculiar is strange, odd, and unusual. Twist is a distortion. So I have distorted thinking. I already have distorted thinking that's going to prevent me from, quote, unquote, winning out. I, If you put me in the in the ring with food, I am not going to win. Um, because I have this, this disease of the mind, this obsession of the mind that tells me time after time after time, food is going to fix it, you know, and, or even it, and, and even remembering that, okay, well, the last time it went so bad, well, I, I tell myself all these lies, it's not going to be bad. It's not going to be that bad this time, you know, so that by the time I got to college, um, I graduated from college, I was, um, very underweight and in a year, of eating I put on 110 pounds you know because I, I couldn't I couldn't stop from starting I put that food in my body and I couldn't stop I had placed myself beyond human aid and it says you know they found themselves as helpless as those who've been drinking 20 years and helpless means unable to defend without help you know and I, I knew like it like I couldn't I had placed myself beyond human aid um, I couldn't out This problem. I remember sitting in therapist offices saying, you know, I I remember saying to my therapist, I understand that it was painful that my parents got divorced and all the atrocities that happened in my own life. You know, like, I understand that. But so when is it going to stop? When When do I do something about it? And there's nothing wrong with therapy. I'm certainly not condemning it. But therapy, when I'm talking about it and I'm talking about it and I'm talking about it and then I'm going and eating because I am hating myself because I'm taking everything personally, like that never worked for me. Like I had placed myself beyond human aid. So for me, this paragraph was really hitting home to me like, yeah, like I was, I was 20. I, the last functional thing I did was graduate from college, and that was pretty functional. But from there, my life got smaller and smaller and smaller, and I was just as bad at age 22 as if I had been eating, you know, for many, many, many years. And I know that my disease is within me, and it's still getting worse and worse every day. Which is why, even though I say I'm recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body, if I don't stay active in this work and watch for my current peculiar mental twists, you know, the lies and fears, then eating will eventually be a step up. So this is about identifying in and really being devastated that, yes, I too am a a compulsive overeater and I need a solution that is beyond human aid. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This 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 is is Paula. (laughs) I heard Paula
4: and then Sally. Please. Paula, go ahead. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader, and I'm going to come down to the bottom line here and we'll scoot right on to several of our crowd of men of 30 or less had been drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. Here we come together. The ending is always the same. The beginning, I don't know for you. Was it 5, 10, 15 years of age that it began? It doesn't matter. And how long? Oh, I've been only eating. You know, it's not bad enough yet. Not to worry. It will be. It will be. But the ending here, they found themselves as helpless, helpless, not able to aid or assist even themselves or the brain the way it was working at that point. There was no human help for them. Time didn't matter here. It's a done deal. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you. And Sally,
1: go ahead. Good morning, uh, a vision for you. I'm Sally from South Jersey. I just want to back up a teeny bit before the paragraph and look at a lurking notion, because here we have more about step one and the lurking notion. It's uh, the full sentence. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservations of any kind or any lurking notion that someday we'll be immune to alcohol or whatever our substance is. And that word looking notion means, uh, in the big book dictionary, I looked that up, it means hidden, as in lying in wait, as in ambush. A hidden notion, like an enemy sneaking up on us, lurking, like some kind of big Tracy comic character in a trench coat. And that leads us to this fabulous paragraph. Young people may be encouraged by this man. He may be their hero and give them hope. Gee, maybe I could do that. This man's experience to think that they can stop as he did on their own willpower. We doubt if many of them can do it because none, that's a very strong word, none will really want to stop. There's there's the allergy of the body. And hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental trist, the compulsion of the mind, already acquired, will find he can win out. I find it interesting that someone else mentioned smash, because that's what comes to me, is that word smash. That's what we're doing here in this part of his taking a look at step one and the convincing problem and, and explaining problem of what we're dealing with. And that word smash was on page 30 on in the, the second paragraph, the beginning of this same chapter. And just that one sentence, the delusion that we are not, that we are like other people, are, or presently maybe, has to be smashed. And on page 39, verse uh, the first uh, chapter, I'm sorry, 39 and the very first paragraph, again, it uses the word smashed. This is a point we wish to emphasize and to reemphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us, to our bitter experience. And so here we are again, none will really want to stop, and hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find he can win. That word win really strikes home for me, because I was a person who just kept nonchalantly stepping back into this boxing ring, getting beaten up, leaving with a bloody nose, my ears ringing because I just couldn't understand that this was truly a food foe. And uh, when I read this, I just want to end by saying that God may I never enter that ring again because I am very clear on this one point that I'm not going to win. There's no winning for me with that, with this uh, dragon called food. That I manage to keep sleeping within myself on a one day at a time, a daily reprieve. Um, with that, I share. I, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Sally. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? Rose.
5: Miriam. Rose, go, Miriam.
0: Rose. Rose and then Miriam. Go ahead.
6: Thank you, Leah. This is Rose, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York, and um, the sentence that um, I can go right to is, we doubt if many of them can do it because none will really want to stop, and hardly one of them, and hardly, hardly one of them because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired. We'll find he can win out. Um, When I came into OA, I was 27 years old, and I did not really want to stop. I was um, given the knowledge, I was given the self-knowledge that I was suffering from a, a disease. It was kind of a generic experience that I was suffering from a disease. Now, at that time, I was not, I did buy the big book, but I did not um, connect with a guide to take me through the big book. So, the years passed with not really wanting to stop and not knowing that I had an allergy to my body, um, even knowing I couldn't eat sugar, but... um, And not knowing that uh, the thing that was worse than the allergy to the body was the mental obsession, this peculiar, very peculiar mental twist, very powerful, uh, insidious mental twist. So at age 65, I hit bottom. And, And the disease actually, even without the knowledge, had been my teacher and gave me a face-to-face experience of knowing that I was beat. And at that point, the door opened here. Sally was talking about the word smashed. Every every shred in me of self-sufficiently, self sufficiency or that I could do it myself, or that there was gonna be a way, or I was maybe gonna become a normal, which I knew never would happen um they were smashed, they were smashed my my body was pretty smashed, and my mind the hopeless the level of hopelessness was so deep, and then and then um what happened to me is what is going to be revealed here in the rest of this chapter so thank you with that i'll pass
0: thank you rose miriam go ahead
5: Thank you, Leah. Uh, hi, everybody in the room. Um, I'm Miriam, calling from Israel, a recovered compulsive overeater, one day at a time. And my recovery depends completely in if I continue working my steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis and on, on a moment to moment basis. Because I have, a, I have a very strong disease, and, and this disease manifests itself anytime when when i'm not careful with I, I always need to do my prayers and my meditations and and be connected to my to my god in in every situation because uh... otherwise it's just uh... it is a disease of forgetfulness it is a disease of insanity it is a disease of delusion and yeah, I just, I I used to justify myself, you know, like these young people and used to say, well, my case is not so bad, you know, I haven't eaten from from the garbage bin or I don't eat from, you know, from the freezer or whatever. But yeah, let me remind myself, you know, that I, I was going without even noticing, mindless uh, from bakery to bakery or from mall to mall, you know, to eat on my own and, you know i'm I was finding it that that was very normal at that time because um um you know i thought i had a you know my best company and i like it to, to be with that company but you know when i worked that when i worked the steps you know according to to the big book with my sponsor i did realize you know what the problem was and and now uh, you know for the grace of god living one day at a time okay. Uh, recovered uh, and, and, and living in ten, eleven, and twelve, which is trusting God, cleaning house, and helping us others. That's my my way of life today, and for that I'm so grateful. Thank you so much, and with that I pass.
0: Thank you very very much. My name is Lay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. I too wanted to comment. On this paragraph, it says, young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop, as he did, on their own willpower. We doubt if many of them can do it, because none will really want to stop, and hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find he can win out. Um, Again, the big book is teaching us about the grave nature of our illness. It's already described in the previous pages about the physical craving that we have. We have an allergy of the body that when we ingest certain substances triggers a physical craving. But remember, the physical craving doesn't begin until after there's already the substances in your system. This means that whatever it is that makes you take that first bite, must be entirely in your mind so uh what it's saying here we doubt if many of them can do it because none will really want to stop and hardly one of them because of the peculiar mental twist already requ- already acquired will find he can win out that peculiar mental twist of course is the obsession of the mind that obsession of the mind that pushes aside all thoughts to the contrary. It's a strange mental twist that makes thinking about food and forces out thoughts to the contrary. Uh, You know, we are different from other people in that way. And the insidious nature of compulsive overeating is, you know, is that we are generally in its grip before its grip is revealed to us. You know, those chains of compulsive overeating are too soft to be felt until they're much too hard to be broken. You know, by the time I figured out what was going on uh, with me in terms of this dual nature, those those chains of compulsive overeating were much too hard for me to just uh, implement some willpower. I mean, I was already well, well, well in its grip. The talons of this disease had wrapped itself so tightly against around my neck. Uh, This paragraph goes nicely with the top of page 24. The top of page 24, where it says, at a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. So, you know, again, uh, that insidious nature of of compulsive overeating, uh, you know, was well at work. Uh, within me, that the compulsive overeater is in the grip before the grip is really revealed. You know, so how are we going to get rid of this obsession? How are we going to get rid of this obsession of the mind? If the obsession of the mind is a greater aspect of the disease, how are we going to get ri- rid of it? Well, when we really believe that we're going to die and that there's no human power that uh, can get rid of it and that this situation is much more hopeless than you thought it was, Because no matter how bad off you think you are, the big book is telling us it's even worse. It's even worse than you thought it was. And until you believe it's much worse than you thought it was, the steps are just going to uh, lie on page, you know, uh, 60, uh, 59, and and 60 uh, without the urgency that's necessary. You know, the steps are just going to hang on the wall in the meeting that you attend in your local city or or neighborhood unless you believe that you are going to die without uh, these action steps. That's the bottom line for people like you and I. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Amy. Amy, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a compulsive overreader,
7: recovered from Maryland. I, too, would like to address this sentence, you know, um, we doubt if any of them, you know, can do it, you know, because none will really want to stop and hardly one of them because of the peculiar mental twist. I mean, let's face it, I, I, if I could have gotten away with compulsively overeating, I would have done it. I would have kept on doing it and doing it and doing it. I never really wanted to stop until the consequences and the pain and suffering of my compulsive overeating, the weight, the mental torture, the four terrible horsemen when you wake up in the morning with those hangovers, the binging, the purging the anorexia, the being 70, 80 pounds overweight, the whole symptom, the whole gambit of this disease, when it only became that destructive and that painful and that scary, did I really want to stop. And then I came to OA and spent years in OA because of this mental twist, this mental obsession, still not listening to what was being said and still trying to do it on my own. It was only when the pain and suffering and the fear of dying that propelled me to finally surrender. I did not want to stop, and then I was trying to use my mind and my willpower to fight what my mind and my willpower could not fight, my own mind. I could not do it, and willpower, which had served me just fine earlier in my years of eating, no longer worked. Let's face it, folks. This disease is progressive. It is also deadly, as we've read in the paragraphs before. This disease will destroy you in the process of killing you. And it will be doing that way before we even realize it, way before we even realize it. But finally, at some point, we call it the gift of desperation. It's the gift of pain and terror and suffering that this disease brings. You know, I've said to people before, and they find it very shocking, when I say, I hope you get the disease... Of des- um, excuse, excuse me. I hope you get the gift of desperation that finally brings you to the table in such pain and suffering where you are willing to go to any length to do something about it. When the pain of where you are gets bad enough, you'll move. And people are shocked when I say that, but it's only when we get to that point that we are willing to surrender and work these steps like our life depends upon it because that's what it does. This disease is deadly. Don't let it fool you. Grab onto this program like a
0: life preserver. Work these steps, and you can be recovered, too. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Let's move on to the next paragraph with Sally, please.
1: Yes, this is Sally. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time, nor take the quantities some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. We who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere. But try and get them to see it. To begin with, we have here these powerful words, to be gravely affected. And the word gravely, again, uh, comes from the word gravity, means deadly serious. And this is a deadly serious disease that we're dealing with. Um, Some of us, and, and the book says, some of us pursue it to the gates of hell. I know for myself, I wandered in a desert for 30 years in OA, which I knew to be the last house on the block. So I just kept going back to that block every time I'd wander away and say, oh, my gosh, this isn't working. I'd wander back to the last house on the block and um, and continue with, you know, some of the things that I, because I didn't really get that the solution was right here in this big book, a big book that I had multiple copies of but didn't read, but I thought the solution was in a brainwashing process of three times a week going to meetings. But you know, the, the gravity of this disease, when I think about all the guilt and the shame that I carried on my back because of the way I eat, I ate, and the way I looked, that's what comes to my mind when I think of the deadly, serious gravity of this disease to be gravely affected. One does not necessarily have to drink a long time. Nor do nor take the quantities some of us have. You know, it I don't, I for me, I didn't have to eat a long time. I went straight to the hardcore fast and furious sugars and, and flowers that, that got me the high that I was looking for. And not even the high, but the numb. The, the just the brain numb so that I didn't have to think about all the things that tortured me. This particular, this is particularly true of women and I just want to say from a medical standpoint, when it talks here about potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. This is actually medically true that women, because they have a higher fat content, men have a higher muscle content. Women will drink one drink, and it's actually equivalent to two of one man's drink. That's actually, you can Google that. It's true. I can't help but wonder if sugar doesn't affect us a little bit differently as well. Certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. Truthfully, it doesn't really matter because if you want to get drunk, if you want to get numb, if you don't want to feel you're going to do it. It doesn't really matter how many pieces of what you're going to eat. You're going to get to that place of numb because that's what we're looking for. We're looking, I don't know about you guys, but for me it's it's about being numb and not feeling my pain of my life, not re- being reminded of the backpack on my back. Um, I'm referring to step four and all the fear and all the dishonesty and all of my guilt and all of my shame that I just didn't want to remember that I was carrying on my back as opposed to going through the steps and putting this stuff down. We who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it. And I refer you to page 95. Nobody can convince another human being that they have what we have. Nobody can do that. You have to come to it on your own. You have to reach your very own rock bottom of the barrel. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Uh, Eileen, and then Kim, please. Go ahead, Eileen.
1: Thanks, Leah. This is Eileen from Massachusetts. Uh, I, to be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some of us have. When I initially came in, I only weighed what I weigh today, 125. But my disease progressed. You know, I didn't realize that it was going to get that bad. I was 215 pounds. I'm only five foot three inches. I wasn't a happy person. I was depressed, I was angry, I was shameful, I was miserable. My life was miserable. That's all because I couldn't accept the fact that I couldn't eat the things that I wanted to eat and in the quantities that I wanted to eat them. Um, This is particularly true of women. That's not true for me. I mean, I I think we all see more women in these rooms in OA than we do in AA than uh, men, um, but I have been gravely affected, and and that was a yet, but I guess I'd, I wasn't yet to see that, and uh, I just wasn't willing to turn my will over, but you know what, I'm so grateful that I am today, you know, because I can't see my life having been lived the way I was living it in comparison to the way it is now. I'm so happy, joyous and free today because I weigh and measure my food. Because I don't eat in between my meals. I don't crave, thank you, God, for the for the extra food. So um I am grateful. And uh with that I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Eileen. Kim, please. Good morning, Leia. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. We were all zoning in on that word grave, you know, to be gravely affected. And it says here certain drinkers would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics, are astonished, astonished at their inability to stop. You know, this whole chapter is trying to get us to understand that the true nature, the true nature of our disease is between our ears. It's in our mind. It's that strange mental twist. And it's going to use these four examples to try to bust those myths of why we are different. Now, the man of 30 is the one who has the incredible willpower. I don't have to do this stuff. I have the willpower to stay abstinent. We're going to read about Jim, who lost everything. He is the one who has the low, low bottom drunk. Then we're going to read about Fred. Everything's going his way. Everything is fine. And he still can't stop from picking up the drink. And we're going to read about the Jane Walker, who's just a loon. He's just a crazy man. So they're trying to get us to understand it doesn't matter what our symptoms are. If we have this allergy to the body, if we have this obsession of the mind, we are going to be astonished, astonished at our inability to stop. And we do that in our program. Well, I'm obese. I'm morbidly obese. I'm anorexic. Yeah, but I'm anorexic because I throw up. I'm anorexic because I use laxative. I'm anorexic you know, because I because I I exercise too much. I'm anorexic. We use all these reasons to separate us in how the disease manifests. But what we have to get to the point is that we are gravely affected, there's simply two things. Do we have the allergy of the body? When we inject certain substances, can we reasonably predict how much we're going to eat? If we cannot, check. Do we have the accession of the mind? When we have the food down, do we have the ability to keep it down? If we cannot, check. But that is what we have to understand because we will not be able to get to the solution unless we understand the problem. And I'm just going to go back to page 17. And when they talk about that shipwreck. It says, the feeling we have shared in a common peril is but one element, one element of the powerful cement which binds us. But that in itself would never have held us together as we are now joined. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. So if the only thing we're worried about is trying to find people with that common peril, well, I'm a woman, I'm different. I'm a man, I'm different. I'm obese, I'm different. I'm skinny, I'm different. I'm bulimic, I'm different. You know, I have to eat vegan. I have to eat this way. I have to eat kosher. I have to eat this way. We separate ourselves in our food plans. But what we have to get to, what is that common solution? The common solution is we have to put down the foods that create a phenomenon of craving in us. And then we have to look towards that solution and run towards it because the obsession of the mind is on our back. And if we do not get rid of that obsession of the mind, we are going to eat again. And how specifically that disease manifests us or how specifically we are different as individuals is what is going to kill us if we don't accept the fact That here, certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. And with that, I pass. Thank you Uh, very much.
0: Lauren? Go ahead, Lauren.
8: Hi. Well, um, yeah, um, pretty much took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Hi, I'm Lauren S. from Pennsylvania, uh, gratefully recovering. I'm a compulsive uh, Currently, I'm back on step nine, so that's where I'm at. But yeah, I I really liked I like this progress for me. Um, I'm usually just by chance the youngest in the room in my meeting face to face, so I really struggled with um, just accepting that I was really at my bottom. And when I came in, I I, I was my next step in life before I came in was pretty much suicide. Not in a laughing matter, of course. It was suicide. I was I was just like, whatever. I'm done. I'm done. I I didn't even want to diet because that's self care. I didn't even want to help myself in any way. Um, and ironically I stumbled in to a recovery program and yeah, I took the words right out of my mouth. I was just thinking, it doesn't even matter what our self tries to tell us about all these little barriers, you know, they talk about in the preface. Um, I think, hold on, just, just five seconds. Okay, that should be better. Um, Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to just kind of repeat, but just, you know, really smashing it in, like Kim said. <laughs> It's just really one thing, right, for the common peril that she was talking about. For me, at least, it's it's just all about, you know, if you have, I love that phrase. If you have two stones in your eyes, if you have that gift of desperation, I mean, that's it. That's really all you need you know, for your bottom. That's it. Um, okay, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Lauren. Uh, This is Leigh. I'd like to comment as well. It says, to be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time, nor take the quantity some of us have. Um, Again, you know, it doesn't matter really how your disease manifested, you know, uh, whether you've been at it for decades, whether you started uh, compulsive overeating as a young kid like I did, or whether you started, you know, later in life. Um, it doesn 't matter about the quantities or the other uh you know the other facets of the disease um that you may or may not have practiced The bottom line is twofold in nature allergy of the body that we that there are certain substances that when we ingest them trigger a phenomenon of craving that craving only intensifies it never is satisfied. And, of course, the greater aspect of the disease, which is the obsession of the mind, an idea that overcomes all ideas to the contrary, and it doesn't make any difference how badly you want to stop compulsive overeating. It doesn't really make any difference how hard you use your willpower. From time to time, this obsession of the mind is going to tell you it's okay to take that first bite. And believing that it's <laughs> this time it's going to be different, you'll take that first bite, then, uh, you know, that triggers the physical allergy, the phenomenon of craving, and you end up, you know, Binging your brains out until your eyeballs hurt. Uh, this paragraph, these pages were written by those who are experienced in this. This is the collective voice and the collective experience and wisdom of people who had blazed this trail, and uh, they're you know letting us know uh, that even you know females and of course. Elsewhere, it's written, even young people are caught in this disease. Once a cucumber becomes a pickle, there is no becoming a cucumber again. You cannot reverse the brining process. Uh, You know, we are well in its grip before we are able to break those chains on our own willpower. And that is the reality for a real compulsive overeater. And with that, I pass anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on. This is Paula. May I comment? Yes, Paula, go ahead. I just want to
4: scoot on just to that last line because I find myself there. Um, We who are familiar with the symptoms. How do we become familiar? Familiar means well acquainted. Oh, yes. Well known. There indeed, another yes. And it says here, see. They use the word see. I couldn't see when I was in my disease. See, large number of potential alcoholics. Who the heck wanted to, this to be the potential? You had the potential, Paula, to be an alcoholic, a compulsive overeater. That was the last thing I wanted. But see, someone else saw that. Oh, that was fine, but I had to see it. And that's the way it ends here. Among young people everywhere, young people, old people, middle people, I don't know where you are. But not to worry. It'll come to you wherever you are, whatever place in life, whatever your afflictions are, whatever. Because here's what it says. But try and get them to see it. I couldn't see it. Oh, honey, I could read those 12 steps on the board. I could rattle them off one, two, three, four, five. Hadn't a clue. Hadn't a clue. But this part. But try and get them to see it. Try we we do. But something clicks within. But I just want to end with that line on page 90. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. He can't see it. But look at what it says. You may spoil a later opportunity. To let the disease do its work. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing they're dealing with a sick person. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula.
0: Paula, actually, would you please read the next paragraph for us?
4: Well, then we shall continue. Paula, still recovered, compulsive overeater. As we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. If anyone questions whether he has offered this... entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. If he's a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is a scant chance of success. In the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remain sober for a year or more, becoming serious drinkers again later. Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may be a potential alcoholic. We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. You know, here is a very powerful paragraph of living up to the potential of an alcoholic and compulsive overeater. And we see over again, let him try, let him, until he tries everything. He will not settle for this answer. This is the only answer, but he must be aware of it. He must know it, not you. And this is it. Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period of time, you may be a potential alcoholic, yet be a potential alcoholic. We think few to whom this book will appeal. The book appealed to me. I liked what it said. Didn't want to live by it. Liked what it said. Until I realized I was who it said then and only then, those resolutions, most of them within a few weeks, days, hours. Thank you for allowing me to share.
0: I look forward to hearing the others. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Amy. Amy, go ahead. Good morning, Amy, still a carbocomposable reader from Maryland.
7: Um, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. You know, there was a point where um, I was not binging for about eight months. And I'll say was not binging, and I I didn't even say absent because I certainly wasn't sober. The problem with this deadlier aspect of our disease, the mental obsession, is that I may have stopped eating, but there was no freedom, there was no peace, there were no promises in my life at all. I was like that child that talks about in the big book whistling in the dark where I couldn't wait till I could get to a point where I could start eating again like a normal person. The mental obsession is as such that it not only deceives us into taking that first bite against all consequences, deadly consequences, it also ruins any thinking. It absorbed and took over my life. I thought about food 24-7, whether I was eating it whether I wasn't eating it, hoping I could eat it soon, being ruled by the numbers of the scale, not, I mean, I was, a ch- I was chained to the refrigerator, if you will. I was a slave to what it was I was thinking constantly, always trying to control it, always hoping that this time I could get away with it, always wondering when I could be able to eat and be able to stop, always thinking always obsessing. That's why they call it a mental obsession. I was obsessed. There was no freedom and there was certainly no peace. And soon enough, I broke down and I would pick up again, even after eight months. And boy, is that disease progressive because after that, everything was like, oh, no, no holds barred. It was crazy and it was insane. But that is the nature of this disease, the mental obsession that causes such misery and pain up in my head that there is no freedom except by finally surrendering and realizing that I could not fight this on my own and that I needed help outside of myself, someone greater than me. And that's this program and its 12 steps and God. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Amy. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead.
1: Good morning again, everyone. We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like in a year. So why would this book appeal to us? Because we can identify in. For a normal person, this might be a couple cute anecdotes, and it's most likely going to be boring for them. It's going to be boring for them. I remember being on vacation with my uncle, and I was out on the porch, and we were both reading books, and I looked over, and he was reading a physics textbook. A physics textbook. He's got two doctorates. That appealed to him because that is who he is. I don't want to read a physics textbook. It would not appeal to me. So a normal person is going to read this, and it's going to kind of bore them. Why is that? Because when a normal person looks at this material, when they look at what I do, they look at what it does to me. They're looking at at the obesity and the isolation and not being able to keep a job and the and the you know, they're not even having hygiene because I'm too disgusted with myself and hardly have any clothes that'll fit at my top weight. I'm like, Why would you do that? Why would you do that? All I know is what the food does for me. It calms my nerves. It makes life a little bit less awful. It gives me that ease and comfort where nothing else will. So when I read these pages, when I read about the obsession of mine, it is going to appeal to me. It appeals to me. I remember I was last week, um, a couple of weeks ago at work, a couple of girls who were joking about sugary cereals and stuff, and I was saying, well, that was never enough for me when I was a kid. I put so much sugar in my sugary cereals. If I put a spoon in my cereal, it stands straight up because there was so much sugar in it. And they looked at me like I had three heads. Because if you're a normal person, this stuff does not make sense. It does not make sense. So it says, once again, but we think few to whom this book will appeal will say anything dry like a week, dry like a year. Well, it's a week for me towards the end, maybe even a couple hours. Um, So if this book is appealing to you, if we're starting to, to trigger some memories, if this is starting to be a little bit uncomfortable, fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Keep on this line. Keep in this book. Because the miracle of this program Is not that we are going to be strong enough to resist the food one more day. The miracle of this program is we're not going to want to eat if we walk through these steps. And the only way we're going to be willing to do that is if we understand how gravely affected we are. If we understand that this is a permanent condition, this is my disability, and without a spiritual awakening, I am destined to die or even worse, to live in that miserable, miserable mind of mine until the day I die. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone
0: else? Like Hi, this is Julie. Julie. This is ahead. Julie. I'd
9: like to share. Thanks. Yep. I'm Julia, <clears throat> I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, this paragraph just speaks volume. Part of it that speaks to me is, in the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remain sober for a year or more, becoming serious you know, eaters again later. Um, You know, when I first started the dieting route, even though I had the obsession and I was thin, but I was always thinking about food, trying to get it, how can I get it, what can I do after I got it? But I hadn't yet gained the weight, but I had the mind, obviously. And I could go on a diet for a match, you know, to lose the five, the ten pounds. And then, as soon as the, you know, the wedding happened, I'd be able to binge. And, you know, at 19, 18, 17, that's not a normal thing to do. So then I would go on another diet. Same thing, very successful. I could could white knuckle it. But I kept on thinking about that day, you know, the day of the birthday party. Then I can eat again. And um, with each time I picked up and took that first bite, I would gain more weight. And then I started to become obese. And... um, I look back at, you know, I I look at that white knuckling or dieting with group support because I always thought I I had recovery because I had lost weight and I was a sponsor. Um, But it was clearly just um, another diet for me. And we think few to whom this book will appeal. This book appealed to me, but I didn't really know it. Um, I was just looking for something to keep me thin. And now it's amazing how um your life can turn around when you finally see that obsession and finally see that how I was driven. You know, I always think about that movie. I think of Tom Cruise where he's got those blades going around and he's being sucked towards it. And that's how I was with the food. I was like, I can't do it, I'm gonna eat, I'm not gonna eat, I'm gonna eat, I'm not gonna eat. I can't think the last time that I felt like that and it's because I finally understand how, how my mind works, but yeah, it brings back so many memories, how I would continually have something, you know, to look forward to, to, to bend. And I think of Oprah when she lost all that weight on that drink she was doing and she opened up her dress to show her in a bathing suit. And then she binged that night. And it was like, I remember saying I would have done that. Um, so anyway, this is a great great paragraph. They're all great. I just um it just brings back memories and I'm so grateful, so grateful that you know I am a a chronic alcoholic, chronic overeater. I'm the real overeater because there is nothing. There is no diet, there is no shot, there is no surgery that can fix me. So thank you and I'll pass.
0: Thank you very much. If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. My name's Leigh, I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Here goes the big book. It's giving us an opportunity for self diagnosis. Um a couple pages before They gave us a diagnosis, a self-diagnostic test, you know, go ahead and step into the kitchen, try some controlled drinking, try to drink and stop abruptly. That's testing out the allergy of the body. Is it true that when you ingest certain substances, it triggers a phenomenon of craving? True or not true? For me, check. (laughs) Here they're giving a self-diagnostic test on the obsession of the mind. Can you leave it alone for one year? the obsession of the mind. Is it possible for you to separate from your binge foods and keep it down? I've stopped thousands of times, thousands of times. How do you stay stopped? That's the issue. That's the greater issue because once separated from uh, my binge foods, I was dealing with the most dangerous part of my illness, The most dangerous part of my illness is not when I'm uh, compulsively overeating. It's when I'm not compulsively overeating because I'm thinking. (laughs) I'm thinking about compulsively overeating. So the real problem centers in my mind, telling me it's okay to take that first bite rather than in my body that ensures that I can't. So hence the necessity for these steps that will expel the obsession of the mind. Remember... uh, you know, the only way to recover from this obsession is to have an experience called a psychic change, a personality change, a spiritual awakening. If we can find a way to feel comfortable, if we can find a way to feel comfortable uh, walking around on this planet instead of restless, irritable, and discontent, then it wouldn't be necessary for us to pick up that first bite in the first place. And if we can find a way to feel comfortable by experiencing that psychic change, by having that spiritual awakening, a change in our mental attitude and outlook on life, the obsession of the mind will be driven out. It will be expelled, and we will be free. And with that, I pass. And with that, we are out of time. Thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book, on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Melanie, are you available, please, to read from a vision for you?
1: I am, thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon.
2: Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in
1: your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick.